0: You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? It is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendous. I'm a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On's Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to your Tuesday edition of the Locked On Rams podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys for checking back in with me here, your host of the Locked On Rams pod for another episode. And I feel like today's episode is going to be an interesting one because we have something a little bit different, but at the same time, a little bit of more of the same. So I want to continue on with the last pick that the Rams had in the 2021 NFL draft and break down what we can of Chris Garrett, the edge rusher from Concordia St. Paul. Now, I did mention that it's going to be very hard for me to do this As best as I can, because, well, there just isn't much tape out there, or any tape really, out there of Concordia St. Paul. So we really have to base this off of a few things that I got to see. Very limited sample size, which is unfortunate, but we're gonna get you guys that. And then we're gonna dive into our draft recap in general don't necessarily want to give it a grade, but we can kind of just look at the class overview altogether and just talk about how the Rams did in this one. And lastly, and we can begin with this. I want to talk about something interesting that came up the other day, maybe last week at this point, from Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib, the former cornerbacks of the Los Angeles Rams. And basically, I believe it came out on a show that Aqib Talib hosts. I could be wrong on that, but both players, and I guess he hosted Marcus Peters on the show we're very pissed off with how the Rams ultimately moved on from both guys in 2019. Obviously, one of them was midway through the season on IR, which was the Akeep Talib situation, and then he kind of got traded to Miami, and it was pretty much just a salary dump. And the Marcus Peters trade, where the Rams obviously got back a day three pick, as well as I believe Kenny Young, if I'm not mistaken. And then that allowed them again more money and more cap space to go get a guy like Jalen Ramsey. But it's very interesting because a lot of people have recently, I would say, criticized how the Rams have gone about their personnel, which is almost you know, non-emotional or devoid of emotion to some degree, where they're happy to just dump anyone that's not performing. And at the end of the day, they're going to bring in a different guy, probably at that same position with no regard for anything, no emotion involved whatsoever. We've seen it so many times now, Todd Gurley, obviously these two, Talib and Peters, Jared Goff. Brandon cooks all these different guys that the Rams are trading for and they're not afraid to be quick on you know trading these guys away if the expectation is actually not met so a lot of people have kind of went about their way you know saying that the Rams are maybe tarnishing their relationship to some degree in the NFL with how quickly they're abandoning these players might be something for these players to think about twice when they're you know, trying to sign with the Rams or in the free agent market and the Rams offer them a deal. Now, I don't think it's that extensive. I do think it's interesting to look at because we don't usually get a look into this part of the game deeper into the locker room and that kind of stuff. So it's very fascinating, but I'm not sure you can really make up too much of this stuff. Now, in terms of what the two said, Here's what Marcus Peters said when the Rams traded him. And you guys know Marcus Peters, I'm sure. He's not going to hold back or mince his words for anybody. And uh, the quote was, I felt disrespected in a sense of, yeah, y'all can trade me. That's a part of the business. But two minutes after that, you bring in another guy who do the same expletive I do. (laughs) Maybe a little bit different. But if we play this compare game, I do a little bit more because I make a little bit more plays. Now, you might be doing what you're doing, and we love what you're doing, and we love what you're doing because that expletive is exciting because you're competitive and a expletive but I'm going to change the game I'm not just finna be here trying to waste no time with nobody I'm trying to get picks dog I'm trying to make these plays happen I'm trying to be explosive I'm trying to make this presence known so that expletive was disrespectful to me if we just hung on a little bit more we'd have a chip that year too we'd bounce right back I think at the time expletive just just got spunky around that building and they didn't know how to handle it and then he also said I was pissed off because as a competitor why the expletive would you bring in another db if y'all just got rid of me he said but you can't be mad at that for the type of player that they got it's the business. I can't take it personal. I don't hold no grudges against Sean and the rest of the dudes up over there because it was all love when we were there. But sometimes how people do some expletive, it tends to backfire on their expletive. It is what it is, and we move on. But I don't think we was the problem. I don't think we were the issue that was holding the Rams back from taking these steps of where we needed to go. So clearly, a lot of expletives wasn't holding back, like I said. And to Tlaib sort of said the same thing. He said... To me, I was hot because I went in on the Monday before I went and I broke my ribs in the week five game. So I slide in there and they're like, we're going to let Troy, Troy Hill play. I ain't never heard no expletive like that. So, all right, so what? I'm on the bench. Troy starts getting roasted. Will I come back in or how's that going to work? I'm with it. My ribs broken anyway. You're telling me I can't practice. I'm going to have to play in the game. So am I on deck? If somebody go down, I go in. And he was like talking, I believe, about Sean McVeigh. Nah, we're thinking about putting you on IR. So I'm like, bro, for the broke ribs. And he's like, yeah, man, because I don't know the vibe. You ain't never had to do this before, and we don't know how you're going to handle it. And he said he was very frustrated with, obviously, the Rams putting him on IR. He told them that he was going to fly back to Dallas, which I believe is where he's from and, you know, where he actually stays in the offseason and things like that. And he basically said that, you know, if this is how you guys feel, don't expect me around here. Don't expect me to come back. I'm not going to be with the team no more. And obviously, the Rams did put him on IR, and they did trade him to the Miami Dolphins. And I think that had a lot to do in terms of the anger was because that's how he went out in his career and no player wants to go out in those circumstances where you're being placed on IR can't even finish the season and then going to one of the worst teams in the NFL with the Dolphins as a salary dump losing the whole year and essentially having to retire after that which is just super depressing especially for a guy who's had such a decorated career like Akib Talib a guy who's potentially a hall of famer you know this is one of the better cornerbacks we're talking about over the last 10, 12 years. And so very sad, you know, to see him go out that way. But there was a bright spot for Marcus Peters. He obviously went to the Baltimore Ravens, performed well, got paid a lot of money, and he's playing on a very good football team. And it's very interesting just to see how, you know, the Rams go about their business. They're clearly not afraid to bite the bullet when they make a mistake. And I respect them for that. And there is maybe some substance to the idea that maybe they are a little bit too quick to, you know, not think of the human aspect of trading guys and just dumping them and all that stuff. I think it's fascinating to think about, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's really going to impact anything in terms of players, decisions, and free agency and, you know, things like that. I think everyone loves Sean McVay. Everyone loves the Rams building. I think that's very apparent with all of the guys that are happy to sign long-term deals here, pretty much nothing negative coming out of that in-house structure that the Rams have built Everyone seems to love it, coaches, players. So it is just fascinating to know. I'm not really sure that we should put too much stock into it, but it's always fun to get to just see two of the biggest talkers, the most entertaining guys in this sport, Akib Tlaib and Marcus Peters just share some of the experiences and some of the time that was with the Rams. It's always fascinating to hear those guys kind of break it down because those are two players, or I guess one former player that are not going to hold anything back. You're not going to get media speak out of these guys. You're going to get the raw unfiltered truth. And at some point, man, that stuff is very welcomed, especially when you have to deal with Sean McVay, who's very media trained. He's never going to say the wrong things, even though it feels like we all know the truth at some points, he's never really going to spill those beans. So, Very interesting to hear these two guys. I suggest you guys check it out. You can see it on Rams Wire. Cameron DeSilva wrote about it. I believe the podcast is called Catch and Fades by Aqib Talib. I might be wrong on that, so I apologize if that is wrong. But I suggest you guys check it out. It's very fascinating, and it's obviously a lot funner to hear them actually speak it as opposed to me. So that does it for this segment in this podcast. In the next segment, we're going to dive into seventh round pick Chris Garrett of Concordia St. Paul in his in-depth scouting report, and after that, we're going to talk about the draft recap for the Los Angeles Rams as a whole. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MEP and you can find the page at Locked on Rams. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's BetOnline.ag. Welcome back to the second segment of this Tuesday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning into this segment. And I did mention before the break that we're going to dive into seventh round pick Chris Garrett. Talk about some of his athletic testing, his in-depth scouting report from all the stuff that I could gather, and some of the other intriguing parts of his game. And as you can imagine, at the end of the day, this is the 252nd overall pick from a school called Concordia St. Paul. That is obviously not some sort of college powerhouse. To be quite honest with you, I don't even know... If that's in the FBS, if that's in Division Two, I'm not even sure where that school plays or what division. So, probably tells you just how decorated that league is. And I'm telling you, when I watched this guy play at the East West Shrine Game, as well as some of the tape that you could see and highlights, because I had to even delve that low to try and garner some idea of what this guy is as a player. Honestly, it just looks ridiculous. He looks like a grown man playing against like your pee wee football you know, grade three, seven-year-old division. It looks ridiculous. These guys had no chance of stopping him. I mean, he just looked like he was overpowering 10 times faster, 10 times stronger, way more agile, nimble, all these things. And he was literally running down quarterbacks left, right, and center. Kind of looked awkward. Obviously, it's very hard to get anything out of that because, I mean, he's going to have to play Trent Williams two times a year in the NFL now if he does play I can assure you Trent Williams is significantly better than the players that he was playing at Concordia St. Paul. So obviously a huge, huge jump for Garrett. But at the end of the day, when you look at some of the defensive statistics that he had there over the course of his career, obviously have to be impressive. Otherwise, he never would have got a shot, you know, to even be drafted. Never mind. Try and even get an NFL tryout. 166 tackles. 36 sacks. 15 forced fumbles, nine passes deflected in his career there. I believe he was also a team captain that could be incorrect. So I apologize if it is, but clearly a guy that, you know, is very decorated in terms of these statistics. He ranked 14th in division two football career history with 1.73 tackles for loss per game. And I guess we have our answer there in terms of what division this is, which is division two. He also ranked third in the history of division two with 1.3 sacks per game. I mean, the guy was clearly absurdly productive and he had to be like I mentioned. Otherwise you're not looking at a NFL draft pick. You're not looking at a guy that's getting into the NFL. So hard to take away what we can from, you know, the highlights the film all that stuff. But this was a guy that was, like I said, just simply too powerful, too quick, too nimble, too agile for the offensive lineman on those teams that he was playing against. I mean, you know, he had good timing with the hands. He clearly had a few moves, uh, you know, some rip stuff, some two-hand swipes, some cross chops, that kind of stuff. And, you know, that was good to see. But at the end of the day, he just didn't need to rely on it because he was just bigger and stronger and faster than the rest of these guys. And, you know, that's just kind of slowing you down at that point is because he would just hesitation move. Some of these tackles completely freeze them in their spot. And, you know, two seconds later, he's hunting down the quarterback because he's just that athletic compared to the rest of these guys. So very hard to see how his game is going to transition to the league. It's going to be a pure projection play at the end of the day. I feel like whoever thinks they have a good grip of how this guy's going to translate just, you know, is is absurd. I mean, it's crazy. You can't possibly know the guys that he was facing there. They're not going to be the Trent Williams of the world, the Tyron Smiths, the Dwayne Brown, who's on the Seahawks, who he's going to have to play twice a year among all the other all pro elite, potential hall of fame tackles. You know, it's going to be a huge jump for him in terms of the talent gap, I guess, you know, between division two football, not even division one in college football, all the way to the Trent Williamses of the world. Now looking at his athletic testing, pretty average across the board, you know, if not below average, the height, six, three two hundred and forty one 241 pounds, nothing to blow you away there. Arm length, 33 and eighths of an inch, 41st percentile. So not exactly crazy. The 40 yard dash, very, very slow 4.88 seconds. That's 11th percentile divert in the broad jump 30 inches and 108 inches. That's only 17th percentile and sixth percentile among all edge rushers. So not a lot of explosion in terms of, you know, his actual athletic testing. Now looking at the three cone and the 20 yard short shuttle, the three cone, 7.15 seconds and the 20 yard short shuttle, seconds both were 74th percentile among edge rushers and you know a lot of people myself included put a lot of stock into that three cone that is arguably the most impressive and important numbers for edge rushers because it tells you just how fluid they are in terms of their hip movement how quickly they can corner and it's probably the one test that legitimately translates into a pass rushing move in a pass rushing set they look very similar And if you can probably run a quick three cone, you're likely going to have good success at, you know, turning the corner on offensive tackles, flipping your hips a little bit, getting to actually bend and, you know, move up the arc and then corner at the last bit there and be productive. And not only that, but efficient with your movements toward the quarterback. So obviously it's a good sign that he has a good three cone, very productive in college. That's always a good thing. And at the end of the day, this is a guy who simply overpowered the competition And he had to because otherwise he's not getting an NFL shot. And that's obviously a good thing to see. It's a great story too. You know, he talked about how he had to go to Concordia St. Paul because of his family not being exactly, you know, wealthy. He was actually quoted saying we were poor and I had to go to where I could get a full ride. And so that's obviously an amazing thing for him. I'm super happy for him. Very intrigued to see what he brings to the table. We know edge Rusher is not exactly one of the most you know, deep parts of the Rams roster. They obviously have a few established names like Leonard Floyd, maybe Obo Okoronkwo, maybe a Terrell Lewis, who's a bit of a question mark right now. But outside of those guys, there are a lot of snaps. And if not snaps, there are potential roster spots on the 53-man roster, on special team snaps, that kind of stuff. There's all that stuff available for somebody at that edge rusher position. And man, it would be great to see a guy that was nearly drafted at the end of the draft in Chris Garrett coming from Division II, playing at a small school, coming with a story that he has all the way to potentially being a player that actually makes the active roster and is active on game days. That would be super dope to see. You know, I think everyone's going to be cheering for this guy. I'm very excited to see what he brings to the table when it comes to the preseason because I think we should be able to have three preseason games this year, which is obviously going to be huge For everyone who was drafted on day three, as well as the undrafted free agents last year, none of the incoming rookies had that opportunity, which is obviously a huge, huge disappointment and just very unfortunate. But at the same time, everyone's going to get that fair shot now. I believe it's coming down to three games, which is a little bit different because we're used to four preseason games. But hey, I'm not going to complain. Three preseason games is plenty enough to make your name, make your mark. And three is a lot better than zero, which is what we got last offseason. So I'm definitely not going to complain. That is all we got for Chris Garrett when it comes to his athletic profile and his actual production on the field. And that does finally wrap up our in-depth scouting report series on the entire Rams draft class. And that is a good transition and a segue into the final segment because we're going to look at the entire draft and kind of just share our thoughts on what we thought of the entire draft as a whole and the direction that General Manager Les Snead decided to take in the 2021 NFL draft. And while we've got you, make sure to keep checking back in with us here at the Locked On Rams podcast throughout the rest of the week. We're going to look at some intriguing undrafted free agents as well as the potential players that could take a step forward for the Rams going into next season. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You heard me correctly. That's 20 years, two decades. We know there's no better time than right now to support family-owned businesses with the whole COVID stuff that's going on in our world. So we got to make sure to try and do that as best as we can. And if you are a person that likes to do things yourself or a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should absolutely check out Rock Auto. All you have to do is just go to their website and check out all their available parts. If your car needs it, I'm betting that they probably have it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write Locked On in their how did you hear about us so they know that we sent you. Today on the Locked On Today podcast. Do the New York Knicks have what it takes to go on a playoff run? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this Tuesday episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. I'm your host Sosa Cremenges and I did tease what we are going to dive into in this segment and that is kind of just taking a step back and looking at the entire 2021 rookie draft class for the Rams that's coming into this offseason. I'll give you guys a quick little recap who they drafted and just sort of share my thoughts on the entire class and the direction that Les need took in this draft. Number fifty-seven overall in the second round, two-two Atwell, wide receiver, Louisville. Third round, number one hundred three, Ernest Jones, linebacker, South Carolina. Fourth round, number one seventeen, Bobby Brown, the third defensive tackle, Texas A&M. Round four, number one thirty, Robert Rochelle, cornerback, Central Arkansas. Round four, number one forty-one, Jacob Harris, tight end, UCF. Round five, number one seventy-four, Ernest Brown, the fourth edge rusher from Northwestern. Round seven, number two thirty-three overall. Jake Funk, running back from Maryland, round seven, number 249 overall, Ben Skoronic, wide receiver, Notre Dame, and the final pick round seven, number 252 overall, Chris Garrett, edge rusher from Concordia, St. Paul. And now that I've gotten a legitimate chance to actually watch every single player in this draft class, because I can promise you guys, I did not watch many of these names prior to the draft. I think I actually only watched two, and that was Atwell and Jacob Harris. So This was a huge unknown to me who the Rams came away with and their strategy of why they picked these certain players. But I think it makes a lot more sense now. At the beginning, you have Atwell. He's going to continue to bring a lot more explosion to that offense. I think he fits perfectly, like perfectly, with what Sean McVay wants to do on offense. You're going to see a lot of jet motion, a lot of decoy stuff. I think you're going to see some manufactured touches, like the jet motion stuff we're talking about, screens maybe, maybe some stuff coming out of the backfield. And I think they're going to trinkle in a little bit of that deep usage, the vertical stuff. They don't need to rely on him doing that just yet because they have Deshaun Jackson and stuff like that. But I do think Atwell will also play a role in that regard. And at the end of the day, I think it's a perfect addition for what Sean McVay wants to do on offense and what Matthew Stafford does at his best and at his peak. And that's push the ball downfield to create big plays in the passing game. Looking at the next few picks, Ernest Jones, Bobby Brown, and Ernest Brown, the fourth, I think all three guys kind of play a similar role in this defense because I think all three guys are at best against the run. And clearly the Rams want to continue to beef up that front, that front seven in particular, and be very productive against the run without having to actually allocate extra men into the box. And what the heck does that mean? That means that the Rams last year didn't really add any extra men into the box because When you rotate into a single high coverage, which is just one safety, you know, the cover one, the cover three style of defenses, essentially you should have the advantage against the run because now you take one of those safeties and you put them in the box to help you against the run. Theoretically speaking, when you have two safeties and two safety structures, cover two, cover four, cover six, which is what the Rams did a lot of last year. You should be worse against the run, but better against the pass because now you're taking one guy out of the box and you're theoretically speaking, using that extra safety to help against the pass. And so your box is now lighter. You should be a man down against the run and teams should be able to run against you. But what the Rams kind of revolutionized to some degree, at least what Brandon Staley was able to do was utilize very, very stout run defenders up front like Sebastian Joseph Day and guys like that. Ashawn robinson michael brockers and on top of that you know utilizing the tight fronts up front the four five guys on the line of scrimmage as well as having very sound run defenders guys that know their gap integrity and their gap responsibilities and not only that but safeties that are willing to fly upfield and go play the run even though they're 10 15 yards deep so The Rams found a way to be very productive against the run last year while still having light boxes. And that's why I think they drafted these guys is because... All three of these guys are primarily known for their run stuffing capabilities, and I think they wanted to continue to increase the depth along those lines. And not only that, but find guys in a year, in two years, three years down the line that can step up into starting roles. Guys like Bobby Brown, for example, when Ashawn Robinson's contract expires or if Sebastian Joseph Day is not re-signed, the Rams need someone to be able to plug into that defensive tackle spot. And for example, that's why I thought they drafted a guy like Brown. Or, you know, you look at Ernest Brown, the edge rusher, similar thing. So the Rams continue to invest in their strength up front against the run. And that was very evident to me. You look at Robert Rochelle, the cornerback, another developmental, highly athletic player at one of the most important positions on the field at cornerback after losing Troy Hill. I mean, that one is a easy estimation as to what the Rams were thinking there. You can never, ever go wrong with drafting a cornerback. I don't care if it's in the first round, the seventh round, if they're athletic or not cornerback is a position you need to invest in as much as possible because they are true game changers at the position. We've seen what Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams and even Troy Hill can do and that's very evident in terms of what the Rams were able to do as a pass defense last year. Looking at the final non-day three pick, Jacob Harris, again very evident why the Rams went after him. A highly athletic player, clearly a guy that should be able to make the transition into tight end and be some sort of a valuable pass game weapon from that position. We don't know how well he's going to be able to translate and pick that stuff up because, you know, if he does a very good job at it, he could be the next Jimmy Graham. Whereas, you know, if he doesn't do a very good job at it, he might be the next Fendi Onobun. And if you guys remember that name, I hope you do. That's a throwback Rams name, a former college basketball player who was drafted by the Rams. I can't remember in what round now. I want to say maybe in like 2010, 2011, 2009, something like that. Very many years ago, that's a throwback. So, you know, he's either going to be very good and translate or he's not. And at worst, he's going to be a very good special teamer for you and a guy who can make plays on that side of the ball. And that is exactly what the final three picks were as well. Jake Funk, Ben Skoronic, Chris Garrett, day three picks, all seventh round picks. They're all going to be contributors on special teams first and foremost. And if they ever develop into anything more, well, then that's just kind of icing on the cake, the cherry on the top. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to find guys that are good special teamers and End of the roster, guys, that can contribute on that side of the ball with your final few picks. And I think that's what the Rams did with these three names. And so ultimately, I like the decision that they made in this draft, the direction that they followed. I think it made a lot of sense in terms of what they were looking for. And it's a lot more clearer to me now that I've gotten a chance to actually watch the tape. I was not one of the people that jumped on them and hounded them for the positions that they addressed. I knew that there was probably a reason why they did it the way they did. And again, like I said now actually getting a chance to watch these guys it's a lot more clear makes a lot more sense and i think they did a very good job in this draft and ultimately i very much like this draft class i think you're going to be able to contribute from day one a lot of these guys and they also will be able to contribute two or three years down the line when we look back at this draft you're going to see a couple names that maybe nobody expected to become good players that ultimately do that is all we got for you guys on this episode of the locked on rams podcast As always, I appreciate you guys for tuning back in and make sure to keep checking back in with us throughout the rest of this week. We're going to have some fun guests as well as some interesting segments talking about the undrafted free agent class as well as who may step up for the Rams going forward. Just a reminder, you can come connect with us on Twitter. Find me at QB's MEP and at LockedOnRams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.